Jeremiah is gifted in bringing a perspective that I think is so graspable, that is so helpful on a practical level. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Good morning, Emmaus. As Nate said, I'm Jeremiah. I almost forgot to brush my teeth this morning. That was a close one. You ever done that? <laughs> Left the house. It's like, oh no. So we're talking about money. And money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski. So that's where there in the problem lies, right? Because I've never seen someone frown on a jet ski before unless they were thrown off, <laughs> in which case everybody else was smiling and then everyone wanted to come back. Money isn't everything though, right? But it also isn't nothing. It's not nothing, it's, it's something, right? One, one uh, person I heard say, money is the fuel for choices. It's not good, it's not bad, money just is. And one way to say it is money is fuel for choices. For example, after this, you're at Chipotle and you say, I'd like to add guacamole. And they say, well, guacamole is extra, as they always do when you say, that's okay, I have money. I can give you more money because I've made the choice to have, and whatever it might be, whether it's a home, whether it's an education, whether it's an, uh, a night out to eat, whatever it is, it's the fuel for choices. Again, not good, not bad. And as Nate said last week, if you weren't here with us, Jesus talks a lot about money. A lot. He's talking about money. He's talking about what we place our security in, about what we value. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more this morning. As, as I'll say, what will frame our time is that money is just a story. Friends, money is just a story. And we get to decide what kind of story we're going to tell. You get to decide. It's like one of the greatest gifts that God can give us. You get to decide. You get to make the decisions about what happens when you get these resources. Some of us in the room have quite a bit. Some of us in the room have just enough. But we all have the opportunity to decide what we're going to do with this. And I, I ask for your grace. This is the very, very first time I've talked about money to a lot of strangers. So if this is your first time here with us, um, this isn't a weekly occurrence that we talk about money at Emmaus. This is my first time too. So um, money is just a story. And Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, all of God of creation, the one who created every universe that we know now and that we'll ever discover, is up in Jesus, and Jesus gives us a few guidelines. And I think we'd be wise to pay attention to these. So let's do that this morning in Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading in verse 19. We're going to go 19 through 21. I'm going to skip down to verse 24, and we'll continue. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy 
and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is contrast, right? Contrast. The direct opposite. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, Jesus can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Really quickly on the hate and love aspect that Jesus is using, this doesn't mean like our understanding of hate and love. This is covenantal language. This is contractual language. You'll be devoted to one, committed to one. You'll be faithful to one, is what Jesus says. And it's quite difficult to be faithful to more than one thing at a time. What's your name, man? Isaiah. Isaiah, thank you very much. Give, let's give Isaiah a hand. About the Olympics, huh? You guys think about that right now? <laughs> oh, there we go. Let's take that. We'll go here. All right. What I found this week for the very first time, round and round. There we go. Jesus says, do not. He says, do not in this passage. Not like, here's a piece of advice. This isn't like in the fortune cookie category that Jesus gives us. He says, do not do it. And there's a lot of commands that, that come first to our mind when we think about what Jesus said to do or what Jesus said not to do. And this is the first time I realized, oh, man, this is in the do not category. Because he says, do not. Do not store up treasures here on earth. I have a friend. His name is Jason. He's a pastor. He grew up in North Carolina. And he went through not only one, but two house fires that took everything when he was a kid. It happened once, the refrigerator motor, something happened and it burned out. It fell through down to the basement and the whole place. They went, came back home from work in flames. And it happened again just a few years later. And he has this same kind of uh, posture, the same uh, response to money as a result of that. He says to me oftentimes, as, as you'll hear, that I'd was worrying quite a bit about money. He says three and a half words, it's just money. He says it's just money. And he isn't like throwing cash everywhere. He isn't frivolous or he isn't just um, flippant with it, but he's just saying like, hey, I've been to the bottom twice. I've seen my family go down to the bottom twice and it's, it's all it really is. And oftentimes we place more power, more importance, we attribute more worth to this thing that kind of runs our economy, quite literally. And I think sometimes it, it might look like Jason, where it says, it, you know, it, all these things that, that we store up here, it's, it's going to burn, it's going to dissolve, it's going to evaporate, it's going to lose interest. And not like interest, interesting, but like interest. You've seen that happen, perhaps. If you're older than 10 years old, you know. Jesus says, don't do this. And if I can be so audacious as to guess why Jesus would tell us something, because that's kind of risky. Like, here's why Jesus said this. But if I can kind of maybe speculate as to why he said this, because I think he knows, like, this is what's going to happen to you if you do store up treasures here on earth. It's going to be this endless treadmill of trying to get just a little bit more. I think it was Rockefeller that said to a reporter that asked him a question, how much money do you actually want? He said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. 
I think Jesus says, don't do this because at the very end, I've seen this story, I've seen what it looks like, and you're exhausted, and you're angry, and you're bitter, and you're sad, and it won't turn out well, but instead store up things that won't dissolve, that won't evaporate, that won't burn, that won't rust, that won't destroy, that rats, like my most hated animal on all of planet Earth, rats won't var- varmints, vermits, this isn't Uncle, or not, you know, somebody Sam talking, this is vermits, vermin, there we go. Where those things, I'm going to try and keep us focused here, <laughs> where those things won't catch up to it, where it won't, get, where it won't be stolen, where it won't be uh, uh, leveraged for something else, where you can't take this, like experiences that you have, that no one can, can rob those from you, no one can rob those moments, maybe if you have kids or friends or nothing can take, can take those from you. I have a friend, her name is Espy. Actually, her name is Esperanza, but she goes by Espy. And she was telling me a story recently that when she was 24 years old, she worked in a group home. And she said it wasn't uncommon for there to be fights. There wasn't uncommon for there to be um, some of the, it was, a, it was a young boy's group home, for some of the boys to attack her, like push her, things. She said this was just kind of part of the territory. She said this one time she was walking outside between the house and to another facility there kind of on their campgrounds or campus. And all of a sudden she heard one of her coworkers say, stop him! which raises all kinds of questions if you hear just those two words, like, what is this person doing? Stop him as opposed to her. What, is, are they about to get me? Like, what? what, what? More, more context, please, right? So stop him. She turns around, and there's a boy that's, again, trying to escape because he got into a fight with another boy, and he says, I'm, I'm out of here. And um, through a few kind of emotional Moments, they, they end up, both he, Espy and her co-worker kind of grabbing hold of him and taking him back um, against his will, to back to the house, and they're trying, and he's really angry, and he's trying to get away, and he ends up, like, uh, going over to the side and kicking her, like, right into the quad, like, right here, and so it basically just folds her, and I'm going to use um, some back specialist language, L4, L5, mutilated disc. Just folds her right in half. Unfamiliar, basically, there's all these discs. This one not only like slipped out like a bulging disc, this like just split down the middle. So she goes back and she's like, I- I've never felt this like numbness just race through the right side of here down. And I felt that and I was like, I, I guess I'll-, I'll be okay. I'll be, I do CrossFit. I'll be okay. So she says, <laughs> not recommended. Um, and so she goes back and she tells, she tells her boss like, hey, I think something happened, you know, back there. I think I need to sit down. She's like, all right, just take an hour and just, just settle down. I said, okay, well, your you, break's over. Like, we need you to c- come back in here. And she goes back. She's like, I think something might be wrong. It, you'll, you'll be fine. It'll be okay. And there's a boy that comes out, and he was doing something. He basically came up, and he just ended up pushing her, but just kind of just being rowdy boys, right? And, but that, like, she slammed back against the wall and just collapsed onto the ground and was like, this, this is all bad. She's bedridden for a while, didn't know what was going on. A doctor said, oh, it's all in your head. This is, it, we can't fi- figure anything out. You just had to sprain. You'll be fine. Maybe if you've had back trauma, maybe this is a familiar story. You've heard some specialist or some doctor tell you, like, this is just all in your head. You'll be fine. Six months goes by, and everything is not fine. They Finally, a doctor orders her an MRI and says, okay, fine. It comes back, and they say, you need to go see a neurosurgeon immediately. I don't know how you've been living she takes this news back to her boss, and her boss says, Espy, you should sue us. And she was serious. She said, you were seriously injured, and we told you to go back to work. You should sue us. 
And maybe just like you're thinking right now, is like, well, did you? Did you do it? Like, you'd have got millions. She said, no. 24 years old. No. I knew that money wasn't going to make me happy. I knew that a lot of money wasn't going to make me happy. Is me being able to be generous, me being able to experience things that are worth more than money was going to bring fulfillment to my life. This SB also doesn't follow Jesus, which I love the stories. People that think differently, worship differently, live differently than us, show us more of what the kingdom looks like than we do. She says, I knew millions of dollars wasn't going to make me happy. At 24 years old, I would say, that would have made me really happy, SB. She's like, I, I knew that that wasn't the case. There are two kingdoms, and I think both Jason and Espy and hopefully myself begin um, to live in the second one. But I'll, I'll say there's two kingdoms. You can put your citizenship in one of these two places. The first is the kingdom of scarcity. Kingdom of scarcity, okay? And the next one is the contrast, just like Jesus says. The next one is the kingdom of abundance. More than enough. Two kingdoms, two citizenships. You get to decide where you want to live. And obviously this is all kind of mentally and imaginatively, figuratively, not geographically, right? Kingdom of scarcity, kingdom of generosity, or excuse me, kingdom of abundance. And I've lived in both. One is way better than the other. The resale value in one of these is so much better than the other. And I'd like to tell you about it. I think that stories change the world. They have for thousands of years. Jesus tells stories that we are still retelling and retelling and retelling. Stories change the world. And here is a bit of mine. And as a disclaimer, and maybe to set you at ease, my wife is here with us. Love you, Lindsay. I have full permission and full endorsement to tell this particular story. Everyone will be painted in a good light, don't worry. But it's something I've never talked about publicly. And I think in a little bit of my story, you might hear yours. Maybe you'll hear right where you're at this morning. You kind of wandered in here because a friend or a neighbor or someone said, you should just come, you should just come check it out. Maybe, maybe you're quite familiar with it for some aspects of it, but here we go. It's 2010, and I'm driving an 18-foot yellow Penske trailer with a 2001 Nissan Maxima in the back from Wilmore, Kentucky to Sacramento, California. It takes three and a half days, and me and Mark just hit the road and go for it. Sleep in like the clothes we drove in, wake up the next morning, grab a continental, air quotes, breakfast, and then head up, continue heading west. Head west, young men. That's what we were doing. We arrive here, and I knew somewhere um, when I was in Kentucky, I spent four years in the beautiful bluegrass state of Kentucky um, getting a, a seminary degree, a Master's of Divinity, where there's, you know, higher uh, a formal training and, and becoming a pastor, kind of the um, practical theology, right? So four years, my family and I lived there. Um, Bella, our oldest, she's eight. She's cuter than yours. Um, she was born... I was being totally serious. Um, she, was, she was born in Kentucky. We made memories there. We put down roots there, so we leave there. But while we were there, I said, you know what? I love the church. I love church planters. I love innovators. I love people trying to give different and fuller expressions, alternate expressions of the kingdom. I love established churches and new churches. I love it. I just don't think that I'm called to actually lead one. This presents all kinds of problems when searching for a job after the fact. When there's someone at State Farm Insurance that says, well, do you have any experience on adjusting claims? And I said, no, but I can translate the book of Jonah from Hebrew. Can we talk about that? <laughs> I 
Like, what, you just won't be a good fit. And so I bounced around from 2010 until now at odd jobs. Um, retail, I, I worked a front desk at a rock climbing gym. I worked in um, television production for a cable reality TV show. Don't ask, you, you'll just, whatever, later you'll see my name's in the credits. I don't have an IMDB though, I, I don't think. Local businesses, uh, sales and marketing jobs. I worked at a startup at one point, the fastest growing, or one of the fastest growing startups in the country in like 2012 on the Forbes most promising list. The first 100 employees, stock options, room to grow in the marketing department. You know, I was in the cubicle, you know, doing Microsoft Outlook every day. Holler, hear me, anybody else? Yes, yes. And I said, I'm, I'm gonna quit. Because God's laid on my heart to, to launch Forge Sacramento and I think we're ready. We have a little bit of a nest egg saved up. We've been trying to raise money and I think we're gonna step out and we're gonna do it. So I slid my, I, I totally did, so I could say that I slid my, I slid my resignation letter across the table to my boss. <laughs> it's like laughing inside, and he was just shocked. As in, like, why would you want to leave here? Like, you will have it made. Like, you're one of the first 100. There's now, like, several hundred. There's offices around the world. It's doing really well, actually. And, and, I, and I left, and I said, I'm going to go work for a nonprofit. That's what I said. The conversation didn't need to continue past that because it doesn't make sense. Sometimes living in the kingdom of abundance doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. So say, I'm going I'm to quit. I'm going to connect with other churches, other pastors. We're going to begin a training program, a nine-month-long training program to train men and women all ages to live as missionaries in their neighborhoods. And along the way, there'd be other kind of projects and other jobs that would supplement that. So because rent still has to get paid, you can't call up your landlord and say, I have some great ideas. And they go, awesome, we'll just send that to Chase Bank. Like, well, we still need, still need money. So this continued for several years. And then that television production job I was talking to you about, I'm there, and I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. If you've had those, if you've been um, following Jesus, or maybe if you just have a connection to something beyond yourself, you just felt that nudge. Sometimes I'd, I would say, I felt God say. I just felt God say, hey, April 1, you're going to be done. Well, on March 30th, I was fired. God, he, he got a few days off there. <laughs> Maybe he said, by April 1, you'll be done. Maybe I missed the first word. I wasn't paying attention. It happens often. So I get fired unexpectedly in March in very ungracious fashion, too. I don't care if you get unemployment. You do what you want. Get out of here. You're done. You're off the team. That's one, that's one way to handle things. So in 2015, my wife and I spent April... May, June, July, August, without steady income. And for May, June, July, August, and September, I would lay awake at night and the question would keep me up, how am I going to provide for this family? And I would have chest pains during the day I would have shortness of breath, and I'm like, oh, this is, this is that anxiety that I've, that I've heard about. And constantly I was somewhere else. You ever had that where, where you're here, but you're not quite here? So I was constantly thinking, is there, is there going to be enough to make it? And there's, friends, there was seven days, six days, five days, four days before rent is due, and we are several hundred dollars short. I had no idea how this was going to happen. 
It was the worst year of our lives. Been married 14 years, and 2015 was the worst one. So during these five months, I said, well, maybe just what's happening is God is leading me to go back and do another fundraising drive and connect with other people and really present the vision of Forge, and those that believe in it will want to support it. And so I would vacillate between doing side projects and spinning plates for a few hundred dollars to booking an appointment to go sit down at a coffee shop to tell them, this is what we're doing. Do you believe in this? Can you support us? And I, I need runway money. If you're unfamiliar with fundraising, you, you need runway money. You need like a war chest kind of thing because you don't get money when you're raising money. Like you need to have money there in order to fuel, you need a little bit of runway, right? But I'm in the process of doing the runway and the plane is right here. And so I'd sit down with people, people that, that have known us for years and loved us and, and trusted us and believed in what we were doing and they would say, we really, really believe in what you're doing um, and we're going to pray for you. And that's totally fine, and I trust that they do and, 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 and that they did, absolutely. Or they would say, we trust in what you're doing, we believe in what you're doing, and we want to support that with $100 a month. And it was this really icky feeling of being like, ah, that, I appreciate that so much, but I could use 10000 like right now. Can we do that? And then God brought to mind four people, like four families that had the means to really, to really kind of fuel this, this, this fundraising campaign. And I said, hey, can you? Hey, can you? Hey, can you? And all four, we can't, bro. I would drive up to an hour away to meet with people to say, like, hey, can you support this? And there'd be no call, no shows. I'd be sitting down with people like, can you support this? And I have to run that through payroll because it's all legit, it's 501c3, everything, and still run that through so that I can get paid just 48 hours later. Because lunches need to be made when school's in session, when your daughter's in second grade. And the question that would continue to hit my mind and keep me up and make me unhealthy would be, is there going to be enough? Is there going to be enough? And maybe you live in that space even right now, and don't worry, we're not done. Maybe you've said that too. Is there going to be enough? See, that's the anthem of the kingdom of scarcity, that there's, there's just not enough. There's not enough for me. September came, and I actually joined with, with someone who I got to know um, over the past several years. He's a pastor downtown. He said, Jeremiah, we would love for you to join us. You can speak. You can kind of shape our community. We're, we're, we're only a couple years old, a church plant. You could just join us. I said, great, and we had to do that icky conversation that Christians do about money because he's like, oh, we just want to bless you, and I'm like, this isn't blessing us. <laughs> But again, just trying to be like, man, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. This is going to be great. And so we become a part of this community on staff. And then 1st of December, he says, Jeremiah, I'm sorry. We don't have the resources to keep your position. Three weeks before Christmas. And again, is there going to be enough? Is there going to be enough? Chest pains came back. Shortness of breath came back. Is there going to be enough? And this is one thing that I've learned, that is there going to be enough? There's not going to be enough question. Just fuels this kingdom. It pours gasoline on that fire. It makes it come, become bigger and bigger and more alive. 
In verse 24, we said, uh, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. The, the text you have in front of you or the, the app you have in front of you might say, you, can't, you cannot serve God and wealth. Well, if you, I grew up uh, reading the King James Version. My dad called it King Jimmy. He said, if it's good enough for the king, it's good enough for me. That's what he would say. And in King James Version, it says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon. Mammon comes from this Greek word, mammonas. We get mammon. And, and I want to read kind of a definition we have this morning. This is to personify wealth, to make it a person, to make it real, to make it alive by placing our trust into it, to deify it as a god, to worship it. So now we see what Jesus is doing maybe a little bit more fully. You can't serve God, this living, generous faithful being, and serve this completely unfaithful, this completely dead. Has mammon ever been faithful to us back? You can't serve both of these. And, and what I found is that continue to ask these kinds of questions and the worry and the anxiety only fuels mammon to get bigger and louder and more intense as we try and fall asleep at night, hoping that the next day is going to bring a little bit more. And here, here's just the really, really gross thing about mammon. Gross is then just like, man it, man, it just makes it so much fair. There's a spectrum for mammon. It goes from one end to the other. One end, we'll just call it poverty. And on one end, we'll call wealth. And again, I don't mean literal. I don't mean like living below the poverty line. And for wealth, I don't mean that for having quite a bit that both of these things are bad things. So I don't mean that. What I mean is this worldview, this mindset, this posture towards these things, towards money. On one end, we have poverty that I don't deserve anymore. I, we, we take what is in the, the bank account, because money now is just, it's numbers on a screen for the most part. They don't even like have too much. It's just numbers on a screen that end up being this is who I am as a person, right? I'm only worth X amount of hundred dollars. I'm only worth X amount of thousands of dollars. So mammon runs this really gross spectrum of poverty, of, of I don't deserve any more, like that is there going to be enough, all the way to wealth that, oh, now that I have a lot, I am a lot. Now that I have a lot, have you ever had that? It was just me just a couple weeks ago when payday came. And for some reason, the day was just better. And nothing fundamentally changed about you or me. Nothing changed. I hadn't even spent any of that money yet. And it was just like, man, I just feel great today. This is awesome. Just because I saw a number on the screen, but 10 minutes before, it was like, oh, man. Am I the only one in the room? This is mammon coming alive. These are signs of mammon in our life that we think like, oh, we have more. Therefore, we are more. Therefore, we can be more. This is the wrong spectrum to be on. Because over here on wealth, it says, like, I should have more. This sense of entitlement. Like, I deserve more because of who I am. Poverty over here says, I don't, I don't deserve anything because of who I am. And both are lies. Both are lies, and it's none of the language of the kingdom. Because the kingdom of abundance has a different message. So this morning, we're going to have a DTR with mammon. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, DTR means define the relationship. It's that key point, typically happens at a Starbucks or maybe a boba tea location, where you sit down with that significant other, maybe she doesn't or he doesn't know how significant they are in your life, but 
You're just like, hey, so what are we? Because you send an awful lot of emojis when we text, and I don't know how to take it. And you're playing with my heart a little bit right now. It's called a DTR. So this morning, we're going to have a DTR with Mammon. And we're going to tell Mammon, join with me, not out loud, but join with me in the seven most terrifying words in all of high school. And those words are, I think we should just be friends. (laughs) I think we should just be friends. This isn't working out because I'm exhausted and I'm seeing God as this one that's withholding blessing or is blessing everybody else except for me or it's not giving me opportunities or I'm just missing it or if only I'd have got up early, if only I'd have worked harder, if only I'd have done more, if only I'd have got the right degree, if only I'd called more people, if only, if only. These are lies. This is mammon speaking. There's another kingdom. There's another story we can tell and it's the story of there is enough. There is enough because he's faithful. Because he's faithful. There is, there is, there is enough. And this is not from a guy who's like made it and has three homes around the area and is looking to refi for the fifth time. Like that's not, still not us. It's totally not us. Truth be told, we live with Lindsay's parents right now from some decisions and some life things that, that are changing. All good things, don't worry. I don't mean to make it that vague. But I'm saying this is still coming from a place of like I'm trying to live this out too, not a place of arrival. So don't hear this story and be like, oh, well, he's got it made. Clearly, he ironed his shirt this morning. I totally did. He must, you know, totally have it all together. In my in-law's garage on an iron that I've had for over 15 years. I love to iron, by the way. It's instant results. Yeah. Instant results. You know you're effective when you hold an iron. There's truth and humor. I think we should just be friends. Despite circumstances, despite what the app says, despite if we're going home to have leftovers, despite if we're really hoping that mom pays for lunch today or not, despite if we have a lot, despite maybe you got paid over the weekend because tomorrow's the 15th or maybe you get paid tomorrow, despite all of that, in spite of all of that, there's enough. There's enough because he's faithful. And the story this morning is mammon has never been faithful to me and it will never be faithful to you. And if we continue to put our trust into it, it's going to drive us to a plate of exhaustion. And Jesus says, don't store up. Do place your worth. Do place your trust. Do place um, value in these things in the kingdom of abundance. The kingdom of scarcity. Let's get out, guys. Let's get out. Join me in leaving that place. We'll have an incredible housewarming party. Potluck, please, if we could. There's enough. And again, this is from a place that I don't, we don't have all of it. We just know there's enough. And this brings new light to when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread just for today. If you're a part of any recovery community, you're familiar with those three words, just for today. All we have is this present moment. That's it. So often our brains live in the rearview mirror, like what could have happened, what should have happened, what I would have done, if this would have happened, all these things that are in the past, or what might happen, what, what, what we hope doesn't happen, and we're rarely 
present right here, and God only moves in the present. And unless we're fully present here, we can see, like, this is the kingdom of abundance around me, and I'm going to join with it. There is enough because he is faithful. God, help me to be faithful back to you. Doesn't mean we don't plan. Doesn't mean we don't save. Doesn't mean that getting a raise is bad. I know we're talking bigger than that. So we'll have an opportunity in the next few months and an exhilarating opportunity to, to place some of our resources into the future of Emmaus Church community, which is doing incredible things. And if I can just say two lines, generous people make the world better and greedy people make the world worse. They just do. So as, as we, if I, this is my third time here, so I can say a we instead of a you guys, as we continue to move forward, may we live and flourish in the kingdom of abundance where the anthem, where the song is there is enough because he's faithful. Because he watches over you when you're trying to fall asleep at night and you're worried, is there going to be enough? Because he says, I'll take care of you if you'll just allow me to do so. Because when you're thinking about your girls taking more than just a little bit to, to, to lunch at school, he says, I'll take care of her too. And I'll take care of Lucy and she's two and she's gorgeous and did a really good job with her. I'll take care of her too. I'll be faithful to you, my son. I'll be faithful to you, my daughter. There is enough. I'll be faithful to you. Will you be faithful to me? As we continue to worship together, I'm going to pray for us. May these images, may this story take root in our lives. Abba, Father, we belong to you. When we ask you for bread, you don't give us a stone, as Jesus says. You know what our needs are. Shape our eyes. Give us a lens to see that there is abundance. Give us eyes to see there's abundance, not just because of who we are or us individually, but because of a community of people. May we live and dwell and flourish in the kingdom of abundance. May we leave and not look back at the kingdom of scarcity. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Would you stand up with me, please? Jeremiah, thanks for that good word, and thanks for sharing your story with us. We appreciate that. Would you appreciate Jeremiah with me this morning? We want to take a little bit of time, as we do each Sunday, just welcoming one another, uh, building relationships. This takes just a few minutes. It's really rooted in the practice of the early church. Uh, which wanted to receive grace from God through the word and then share that with others right away. So let's do that this morning and uh, then we'll come back together to share a few things that are happening in our community and to worship some more through song. So may the peace of Christ be always with you. Thank you. Take a minute and greet those around you this morning. We'll come back together in a minute.